this, this morning. Amen. Honored to be able to preach the Father's Day service this year. And like we said, uh, there will be, make sure you don't rush out, there will be a gift for all the fathers, fathers, foster fathers, adoptive fathers, half-fathers, am I missing any stepfathers, um, as long as it's human kids, I guess, fur fathers, we're not counting you guys today, if, if you count your your pets as a kid, sorry, this, that's a, that would be a different day for those, for them. <laughs> all right, so today, first off, I want to share with you, there's a few different things that the dads love, that, you know, that just dads love to say, and that the dads love to do. Number one is that dads love giving their grilling tongs a few test clicks before they use them. You see dad at the barbecue and he'll give, his, give the tongs a few you know, test clicks before he starts flipping stuff over. Dads love to say, people don't know how to drive in this town. No matter which town they're in, dads love to say that. Dads love to collect a fast food dad tax. You know, maybe one of the nuggets, a few of the fries, um, any fries that fall to the bottom of the bag, those secret bonus fries, those are, those are dads. It's dad's fast food dad tax. Dads love when they have a tool in their hand, when they have a stud finder, they love to point it at themselves and say, oh, found it. Dads love pretending that a kid hurt them with super strength while they're play wrestling. Like, oh, you hurt me. Oh, you broke my arm. You're so strong. Dads love to say he gets that from your side of the family to mom. Dads love to say, yeah, I think we'll keep them when people tell them that their baby's cute. Dads love to say, no, you're other right when somebody mixes up their left and their right. Dads love saying, I'm not asking, I'm telling. That's the ultimate dad mic drop. I'm not asking, I'm telling. Dads love their kids, amen? Dads love, dads love dad jokes. And dads love their toys. Dads love their toys, they love their stuff. Uh, for some dads, it might be a vehicle, it might be a snowmobile, it might be a four-wheeler. Uh, for some, it's their electronics. For some, it might be guitars. <laughs> for some, it might be video games, it might be golf clubs, it might be guns, it might be model trains. There's all kinds of weird stuff that dads like. And dads have all different types of interests. But something that most dads will end up with is a collection of tools. And today I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the tools that every dad needs. The tools that every dad needs. And even if that particular dad is not the, the handiest of men, you know, he will still end up with a collection of tools. I know this because I have a modest collection of tools, and I am, of all men, least handy. Um, but there's just stuff that needs taken care of around the house. And bit by bit, you accumulate the items you need for a small job here and a small job there. And eventually, you find yourself with a little collection of tools at least. Um, I myself recently managed to cross a long-standing item off my honeydew list, and I fixed a broken drawer in the kitchen without even being reminded to. I'm telling you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, Red Green used to say that if the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. And I guess Naomi gets the best of both worlds, so. <laughs> Lucky lady. <laughs> oh. Really appreciated uh, my family's surprise, me a little breakfast in bed this morning. My kids know the different kinds of things I like to drink, so they made sure I had every drink that I like with my breakfast. So on the tray with my breakfast was a, a big mug of coffee, a big glass of orange juice, and a tall glass of pop. <laughs> so my, I had lots of beverages to, to down with my breakfast in bed this morning. Oh, and they got me, and the kids picked out this little, this little He-Man keychain for me. I, got, I think that's how they view me, you know, this pillar of strength and, and masculine prowess. That's, that's. And there's, you know, sometimes we all have these little bit of tools, guys, uh, here and there in the house. And sometimes there's the specialty tools. You know, there's the nice tools that we eye, but we're probably never going to buy. Sometimes I watch YouTube videos where they use a pressure washer on a stone walkway, and I think, man, I need a pressure washer. I want to pressure wash something. But I probably never will. I don't even have a stone walkway. Or you'll watch somebody detail the inside of a car using this special steam cleaning tool that just gets all the, gets all the gunk up. And I'll think, that's exactly what I need to use on the inside of my van to get up those years of McDonald's sweet and sour sauce that's just embedded in there, deep into the fabric. You know, that's what I need. I'm telling you, there's nothing, only thing more satisfying than a job well done is watching somebody else do a job well done on YouTube. It's great. And now these are, these are tools for very specific purposes, though, that I'll, I'll probably never get. They're not your general purpose tools. Now, I'm sure there are some of you that have a garage full of these tools because that's your thing. You like to have the exact right tool for every possible job that might need doing. Shout out to my stepdad, Serge Roussel, who probably has a tool, every tool that he could ever need to do any job ever. So I appreciate him. But there are some tools that are essential, right? There are some tools that are the basics. They're the things that'll help you take care about, you know, you can probably find a way to use this tool in just about every problem around the house. And today I want to talk about the tools that every dad needs. And cards on the table, this is an extended metaphor where the tools represent various aspects of being the kind of dad God intends us to be. So there you go. Um, and I want to say something up front about one of the reasons for this object lesson. Uh, you might have heard the expression before that if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. Anybody ever heard that before? Basically, well, I brought my tools. I have a few tools. This isn't part of the sermon, but it's just fun to squeeze that a few times. It's like the grilling tongs. You know, if you're going to drill something, you got to squeeze it while you're looking where you got to just rev it. Just get to you know, keep it going. Keep it, rev keep it revved up. So if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. And that's not to say that the hammer doesn't have a place in the toolbox. But parenting is a complicated and challenging endeavor. And if you're a parent, it might be the most difficult and also the most important thing that you ever do in your life. And it requires a lot of different tools. Um, there's no one tool that's going to fix every household repair. And there's no single dad skill that's going to fit every situation that comes up with our kids. And you might think, what kind of point is he trying to make with this hammer and, and working with kids? It's not what you think. 
So, well, if all you have in your toolbox is a hammer, and this is a pretty fairly well-used hammer, I'm not sure why, somebody must have borrowed it. Um, so if you've, if you've got to put a nail in the wall to put up a picture, if you've got a loose step on the back porch, you've got to put a new step down, you've got to hammer something in place, well, the hammer is the perfect tool for the job. Um, now, if you've got to unclog a toilet, or if you've got to split a piece of wood, well, the hammer might eventually get those things done, but it's going to do more damage than good, right? The hammer is, not, is a great tool, but it's not the tool for every situation. Uh, tough love might be a useful tool in your parenting toolbox. The ability to, you know, say, no, you know, be firm, and, you know, I'm not going to give in on this, and I'm going to be tough on you, I'm going to, you know, there's going to be discipline. And tough love has its place in your toolbox. But if it's the only tool that you have, and you try to deal with every situation with your kids with that one tool, well, then you're probably going to end up doing more damage than good. So let's get to the tools that every dad needs. And uh, yeah, I know this is more of a tool bag than a toolbox, but uh, my toolbox is full of rusted junk, so I didn't want to use that today. All right, so tool number one. Duct tape. You might say that's not really much of a tool, it's more of a material, yeah, it's a tool. Um, the handyman's best friend. If you've got something that's moving, that should not be moving, duct tape's your answer. Um, if you've got a leak in something, duct tape. You need to adhere a child's entire body to the wall, reminding, rendering them immobile while you take a nap, duct tape. No first aid kit nearby and somebody's got a serious injury, duct tape. Now there's a phrase that's used in the Bible for when you want to get a grip on something and you want to keep it firmly in place. It's a phrase that we don't really use much today. And that phrase is, hold fast. Hold fast. I want to read to you a few verses that use this phrase, hold fast. Titus chapter 1, verse 9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. 1 Corinthians 15.1-2 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So, Dad needs to hold on tight to the truth. Dad needs to hold on tight to the truth. And our, our kids are going to be exposed in this life to a lot of false ideas and a lot of worldviews in this life that aren't true. They're not true. And from their friends, uh, from other adults, from popular culture, they're going to be bombarded with worldviews, with ideas, with things that are just not true and things that might be appealing. But just because it's appealing doesn't mean it's true. And dads need the tool to keep some things firmly in place, some things that shouldn't move, some things that need to be settled. See, dads need the truth of God's word. Some, that some things are in place and some things we're not gonna compromise on. There are some things that we're not gonna change on. And that has to be the foundation for your home, your family, and your life, that these things are built on, the truth 
of God's word. Jesus said in Matthew 7.24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So, if you know the parable, Jesus talks about one man building his house on the sand, another man building his house on, on the rock, and the storms come. The storms hit both houses. No matter what, you, no matter if you're living for God or not, you're going to face some storms in life. You're going to face some challenges. You're going to face some difficulties. But if your life is built on the truth of his word, it's going to withstand the storms. It's not going to be broken apart. And Dad, you need to have an ongoing conversation with your kids about what the Bible says about how we live our lives, about who God is and what the meaning and purpose of, our, of life is. So many people go through their lives searching and wondering, what's life about? Why do I exist? Dads, if you know the Word of God, you have these answers for your kids. You should give them these answers. You should talk to them about these things. And people will throw around words like dogmatic and indoctrination when you say that you teach your kids what the Bible says or that you teach them that it's true. People will tell you, and they've told Naomi and I, well, you really should let your kids decide for themselves. You should let your kids decide for themselves because, you know, what they, what they want to believe. And yeah, our kids will eventually decide for themselves. You know, eventually they're going to leave our home and they're going to go out on their own and they're going to make up their own mind. But I'm not going to act now as if it's not true. Because when we really believe something is true and important, we don't really leave it up to our kids to decide for themselves whether or not they believe it. You know, there's an unspoken mindset behind this statement, which is let them decide for themselves because it doesn't really matter. It's all made up. When you say let them decide for themselves, the unspoken idea behind that is like, well, who cares? Who cares what they believe? It doesn't matter what they believe. You're not, now, if your kid said to you, if I jump off the roof, can I fly like Superman? You know, you're not going to say, well, that's up to you to decide for yourself. I'm not going to force you into my beliefs about gravity. I'm not going to impose what I think is going to happen upon you. I want you to explore for yourself what's going to happen if you jump off the roof. No, you're not going to do that. Now, if you don't really believe it matters, then yeah. If you don't really believe in what you say about the Word of God, and what you say about God, eh, believe this, believe that, doesn't matter. Well, you don't really believe it at all. If a belief in something untrue in, in that situation on the roof is going to lead to disaster. Your kid believing that they can fly, you know, as, as beautiful and wonderful as that belief is, as appealing as that is, I want to fly. But as, as nice as that belief is, actions based on that false belief are going to destroy your kid. They're going to lead them to disaster. See, we need to hold fast to the truth. And we need to give our kids that same foundation. We need to tell them what is the difference between right and wrong, between what is true and what is false, if we really believe it. We need that foundation for our kids. We need, there's some things you've got to put the duct tape on. There's some things that shouldn't move. If there's some things that, aren't, that can't be loose, that can't be loosey-goosey rattling around, oh, whatever, doesn't really matter. That drawer in our house <laughs> that I fixed recently, well, it's been loose for a long time. And... Uh, but probably if I hadn't fixed it, eventually it would have dropped onto somebody's foot or something, or that would have been bad. Most likely Naomi's. So we need the, we need the truth of God's word. That's a tool every dad needs. 
And this kind of go this kind of goes along with that. This is kind of the opposite. This is a can of WD-40. And if duct tape is what you need when something uh, is moving and it shouldn't be moving, well, WD-40 is what you need when something is not moving and it should be moving. It loosens things up. You know, squeaky hinges, rusted bike chains. Uh, you got a slip, a slip and slide in the backyard and they're just not going fast enough. You know, you really want to get some speed on that thing. You really want to launch off the end of that. Come on, WD-40, let's just lube it up. You know, it's a, it's a lubricant. It reduces friction between moving parts. And there's a lot of moving parts in a family. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's a complicated endeavor, raising kids, running a household. Um, we've got busy lives. We've got busy schedules. Um, there's, all, there's stresses of work and, and money and, and school, time demands, kids. They want to go here. They want to go there. They're fighting with each other. This one did that, and this one, the other one did that. There's health concerns. There's always, there's always stuff. There's, and with all these things, all these moving parts, there's going to be some friction. There's going to be some friction in our relationships. And something is going to rub us the wrong way. Someone is going to rub us the wrong way. You don't like how long they take to get ready in the morning. And you get frustrated. There's no better way than starting your day after you've got all the kids in the car and off to school. Nothing better than starting your day the angriest you've ever been in your life. You know, walking into work with just, you know. But that never happens. You don't, they don't like you imposing rules that their friends don't have to follow in, uh, in their home. Now, as a side note, I don't know about you, but I, as a parent, I always feel a little bit of satisfaction when my kids say things like, but so-and-so doesn't have to do this. So-and-so gets to do that. And I, I can whip out the dadism, well, I'm not so-and-so's father. This isn't so-and-so's house. This is how we do things here. And there's always just, I don't mean to sound smug, but when I hear that my friends don't have to do that, or my friends get to do this, it, to me it's like a sign I'm doing things right. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we're, if, we, if you hear that, maybe we're doing something right. And kids, I've met your friends. Um, but with all the potential sources of, of friction, tension, and, and difficulty in a home, what is the WD-40 you need to keep things moving smoothly to reduce that friction? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9 says, For God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Isaiah 61, 3 says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Romans 15.13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dads, you need what Pastor Noel has been talking about these past few weeks on every Sunday morning. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need the love and joy and peace and patience, amen, the patience that comes from being filled with God's Spirit. It's what we're talking about on Wednesday nights as well in our life groups. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. What does having God's Spirit inside of you bring out in your life? Now, it's not to say that, you know, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you have no love or no joy or no patience, but you're going to hit the limits of your human love your human patience, 
and your human joy a lot faster without God. Our, our, my love, I love my kids, but my love is limited. I'm not perfect. My patience is limited. Um, and my love is, it's all weak compared to God's love. And we need his spirit working inside of us to give us an even greater love, joy, and peace. And see, our kids, our spouse, our, our friends and our family, they cannot be the primary source of our love and our joy and our peace in our lives. And that might seem like a radical thing to say, and you might not like that, but no person can bear the burden of your peace and your contentment. No person can bear the burden of being what you count on to make you happy, to get joy in life, to get peace. Your relationship with God has to be first in your life. Your walk with God has to be strong. And you will be a better dad. You will be a better husband. You will be a better friend, a better son, a better brother, a better worker if you put God first. And it's not to say that, it's not that your family is going to suffer if you put God first. It's not that your children are going to lose out if you put God first. They're going to have a better dad. They're going to have a dad with the joy of the Lord, with the peace that passes understanding, with, with patience. Thankfully, patience. <laughs> so, many people, so many people chase happiness in this world as, as a brief respite from, from a life that's filled with unhappiness, from a life filled with misery. And they chase these, these moments when they feel good, when the rest of the time they're just like, oh, if I can just, just get through to this. If I can just get through this to the weekend. If I can just get through this to Friday. If I can just get through this to my vacation. If I can just get through this to when I get a drink. If I can just get through this to when I'm you know, out in the woods away from my family. If I can just get to that perfect circumstance where that, that time, moment in my life when I'm happy. One of the assignments I had my, uh, my students do in my grade 10 personal development class was, was write, uh, or they had a choice about different type of relationship writing assignments they could do. And one of the choices they could do would be like write, imagine your life, a life in the day of maybe a parent or somebody you know, and write about what you think that person thinks and feels as they go through their day. And some kids wrote some heartbreaking stuff about what they, they think their parents think and feel throughout the day, how unhappy they, to them, their parents are. That their parents are just looking forward to something to, you know, the next drink or the next smoke or the next thing to, to get them through, that they're just lifeless and empty and unhappy. And that's how they imagine their parents to be. That's their view of them. And it's not that we're never happy, but when your happiness depends on your situation, that's not good. You know, if you're at the camper, you're happy. If you got a couple super donaires from Al's, you know, you're happy. <laughs> or if the kids are at the grandparents for the night, you're happy. And that's, that's, that's normal, right? But living for God with His Spirit inside of you is better than normal. I'm not talking about normal. I'm talking about something better than normal. That's why when we read about Paul and Silas in the Bible singing songs of joy while they're locked up in prison, in the most miserable situation they could be in, they're singing songs of praise to God. That's not normal, but that's God. Or if you Jesus napping in the bottom of the boat during the terrible storm and everyone's freaking out, thinking, oh, we're going to die, the boat's going to sink, and Jesus is just napping away. What a perfect image of a dad, you know? 
having a nap, <laughs> laying down, relaxing. But he had peace and confidence in the middle of a bad situation. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Eating and drinking, well, these are things that yeah, they make you feel good, but that feeling goes away, and well, eventually you gotta, you got to eat again. You, you know, you got to drink again. But the kingdom of God is not something like, like eating and drinking. It's not something that is temporary. It's not something that gives you a quick fix and then, oh, I just got to make it through to the next time. Oh, it's not even like, oh, I got to make it through to Sunday to get back to church. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, something you can have in your life wherever you are. In the worst circumstance, when things are bad at work, when, when you're you know, in a bad situation at work and it's stressful, you can call on his name and you can have the peace and presence of God. I've been in circumstances this year in my work where no, I couldn't like just start talking in tongues in the middle of the classroom, but I just, I just kind of at my desk while students are working at something, I'm in my mind just talk to Jesus for a second in the middle of a difficult situation and his peace come into that room in such a powerful way, right in the middle of whatever I was dealing with. And God wants to be that for us. He wants to, his spirit to, help, to give us the patience and peace and joy and righteousness and love that we need to be that WD-40 that, that, you know, that just kind of keeps things moving along, that takes out all the friction and uh, the pain. It's not that bad things don't happen. That's not what God promises. But he promises you a peace in the middle of it, a joy in the middle of it. And that's what we need, dads, and that's what our kids need us to have. We're almost done. I'm going to get Sister Noel to come back to the music. I'm going to come to the last item in my toolbox here. I got all kinds of stuff here. I got screwdrivers, but that's, I don't have a cool application for that. Ah, here we go. All right, so I got this. I love these things because it's, it's a light, but I feel like I'm like opening up a part on a spaceship or something when I slide that out. It's so satisfying. You just want to, oh, ooh, that's so cool. So I got a light. And you might be thinking, okay, well, what does this light represent, right? We've talked about uh, the duct tape of the Word of God, the WD-40, the Spirit of God. So what does the light represent? Wouldn't the, the light usually represent, you know, the Word of God? Wouldn't the light usually represent something like God's Spirit, right? Well, there's a story in the Old Testament when God's people were outnumbered by an enemy army, and they had barely any warriors on their side, and it was totally hopeless. They were so outnumbered, they had no chance against this enemy army. But God gave them some directions for what to do, and they trusted in God. And in Judges chapter 7, verse 15, it says, um, so it says, Gideon returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you shall blow the trumpet on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So they followed these directions, and they defeated the enemy army. They, they were thrown into confusion. They smashed the pots. They lifted up the torches, lifted up the lights, and they, they charged, and they caught, made a big noise, and they said, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 
and they defeated that huge, that huge, huge army. Has anybody ever had to hold a light for your dad while he fixed something? And yep, sometimes dad's like, dad's under the sink, and he's trying to fix a leak, and he's like, point that flashlight under here so I can see what I'm doing. Or dad's working on the engine of the car trying to figure out what's rattling, what's making that weird sound. So he's like, here, hold this flashlight. You point that right down here. No, not there. Not there. Over here. Over here. And he's like, dad's like, okay, okay, here, here. And you're trying to point the light for dad to see what he's working on. Uh, what the light represents is the fact that while it's important for us to have the right tools as dads, if we're not putting those tools in our kids' hands, uh, we're missing the point. We gotta have the right tools, but at some point, you gotta put the tools in your kids' hands. Your kids gotta get their hands on the tools. Eventually, your kids need to read the word for themselves. If you read and know God's word and you tell it to them and you do devotions with them like you should, that's awesome. That's so awesome. But eventually, they need to open up that book for themselves. Eventually, they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You have God's Spirit in you, helping you with everything you face. That's awesome. You need that. That's an essential tool. But your kids need the Holy Ghost, too. Your kids need to be filled with God's Spirit, and you need to pray for them as well. Your tools will only carry your kids so far. Let's all stand together this morning. If your kids are going to be saved, if they're going to live spiritually healthy, overcoming lives for God, then they need to know Him for themselves. You've got to put the tools in their hands. You've got to put the tools in their hands. And so that's what this light represents. That our kids need to experience for themselves what we experience. Our kids need to know for themselves what we know. And so as we finish up today, as we close up the, the tool bag, I want to pray for, for all the dads. Pray for all the dads this morning because dads, you are important. You're important to God. You're important in your kids' lives. You're, you're so valuable. And I want to encourage you dads this morning. I don't want, I'm not here to, to pick on the dads or to put down the dads, but encourage you that God has every tool that you need. And unlike Canadian Tire, unlike, you know, any Kent, these, these tools are free that God offers you. They're free tools. Tools cost a lot of money. That's why I don't have very many. But with the tools that God wants to put into your hands, he offers them to every one of us freely. So why don't we just all bow our heads this morning and take a moment. Let's pray for, pray for the dads. Lord, we thank you, God, for the roles of the fathers, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord Jesus, to be equipped to do what we need to do. Lord, we want to raise our kids right. We want to protect our kids. We want to help them to face everything they're going to face in this life. We want to give them wisdom. We want to guide them. We want to provide for them. We want to be the fathers we need to be, but we can't do that without you, Jesus. God, we're limited in what we know. We're limited in our abilities, Lord Jesus. God, we need your word. We need your spirit, Lord Jesus. We need those tools, and we need to put those tools in their hands, God. Lord, I pray for every dad in this place and every dad in our community, Lord Jesus, that you would lead and guide us, Lord. Help us, Lord, we ask you. Help us. Sometimes we dads are not good at asking for help. Sometimes we think that 
We've got to do it on our own. We've got to be strong by ourselves. We've got to accomplish it on our own. We don't need anybody's help, but that's not right, God. We need your help. And we need each other as well, Lord Jesus, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up. God, I pray for all the dads that you would strengthen them, that you would bless them, God, that you would use them for your glory. Use them, God, to be leaders in their home. Not just in what they say, God, but in the lives that they live. In the things that they do, let them be an example, God, of you to show your light, your mercy, God, your love, your goodness, Lord Jesus, to their, to their families, O oh God. And Lord, we need you, God. Equip us, Lord, with every tool that we need to be the fathers we need to be, O oh God. And Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.